What if that was just a whole intro? Me just humming slash sing songy going through so fresh and so clean. Do you think we get email about that? Do you think people would be upset with me? People are listening to us to uh, hear about Virginia football. They probably won't complain about that. <laughs> that's such a good answer. Oh, that's such a good answer. Yeah, the, the O and five start no problem, but that intro, <laughs> I'm out. That's where they draw the line. Yeah, they've oh, got standards. They got they got expectations. Welcome, everyone, to the CastCorner.com podcast, CastCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CastCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin states in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, October the 4th. It is spooky season, and if you've looked at Virginia's record, <laughs> that's so cliche, so terrible. God, it fits so perfect. If you've looked at uh, UVA's record this season, it is scary. Uh, we will obviously be talking about UVA's loss to Boston College, an especially painful one for a variety of different reasons, which we will undoubtedly discuss. Um, and then we're just going to kind of go from there. Um, I, I don't know. If you're coming to this podcast, there's a pretty good chance that you're probably feeling a lot of the same things we are. So you know what? We're, we're just going to sit around and, and talk about it. We're just going to throw it out on the table. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First in Fishersville, board moderator du jour himself, David Spence, is on the show. How's it going, my friend? Yeah, I mean, Owen Fav. Let's go. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. <laughs> and in Charlottesville, editor in chief Justin Ferber is also on this year program. How's it going, my dude? I don't know how to follow that up. Yeah, I know, um, right? Is that like Dave? Is that like what you would do if it was like a pregame speech? Like, <laughs> is that what you would do to fire up the troops? What's up? Come on, let's go, yeah. boys. Let's go get this loss. Yeah. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Let's go get this loss. That'd be a great title if I wouldn't get like run out. I mean, of that's like some. That's what NBA teams do. They just do it a little bit like under. You know, they're like, hey yeah. guys, like you know, if if you spring a giblet in the third quarter, <laughs> it's not the end of the world. There's beer also, in the locker room. <laughs> uh, reference acknowledged. Ferber just stole one of my favorite words, which is giblet. Um, there's no chance you heard that from anybody but me. There's just nah, no that's chance. you. That's, that's 100% it. That's got to be me. Cavs corner also under Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter, including the word giblet. All right. Um, 27-24. UVA up 21-7 at the half after completing legitimately. I can't think of many Hail Marys in my UVA viewing career. Um like a legitimate, you know, last second ball in the air all the way to the end zone sort of thing. Um, Malachi Field somehow comes down with it. And what did UVA do with that momentum? A whole, whole lot of nothing. Cavaliers outscore 20-3 to in the second half. They lose by three to fall to 0-5. They made the Castellanos kid look really good um, in the process. He had 16 attempts for 78 yards on the ground, threw for another buck 83 and a couple touchdowns with a couple picks. Um, Tony Musket got his first uh, start since the injury to 
uh, excuse me, the injury in Nashville against Tennessee. 22 or 34, 247, three touchdowns and one pick. And what's weird is that you look at that stat line and you think, man, he must have played pretty well, but it – it, it it didn't it didn't necessarily translate that way simply because Virginia was just under duress for most of the afternoon. Boston College had five sacks on the day. Um, you know, just a, a rough outing in a variety of different ways, especially that second half. All right, it has been several days since this thing happened, and I, I like to do this sometimes. Uh, you know, we've 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 t- we've talked a lot about a lot of losing on this podcast, so. Um, we've got a lot of practice with how do you how do you handle uh, insert name of you know ridiculousness here, but this one was rough. I said last week I, when I was picking UVA in the in the last segment, I was like, look, they got to find a way to win this, and somehow or another they found a way to lose this. Dave, in the days since this happened, uh, and as is our, our way, we'll start there. H- have you been able to process it other than? you're you're just worried that your team is is not going to be like legitimately like even remotely close to good this season like how how is this thing sitting with you at this point i mean about as well as you expect like i mean i was worried the team wasn't gonna be good to start the year um but you know they had what three or four games on the schedule you thought maybe they could win they played two of them and they've lost them both um that's not good right (laughs) so there's not a lot of not a lot of gimmies left coming down the pipe either so yeah i mean since saturday i don't think my if anything i've gotten angrier about it and look it's not all on this team right like i mean you've got to isolate if you're a virginia fan like virginia's won three of their last seven 19 football games um you know the last power five team they beat that wasn't georgia tech was duke in october of 2021 that's a long run right that's that's a lot of frustrating results and that doesn't even account for the terrible stuff off the field right so it's been a been a hard time um if you're a virginia fan and then honestly saturday just kind of you know it, it's everything we talked about in the last podcast and what you know what the team has done and what they haven't done well it was all there um and you, you mentioned the hell mary but man if it wasn't for that hell mary then they just get run out of that place despite winning the turnover battle by three on the road um just Head scratching, you know, <laughs> head scratching results, you know, week after week. Um, and just, you know, frustrating execution, frustrating play calls, frustrating strategy. You know, it's, it's hard to watch. Like, I mean, I think, you know, if you've been a Virginia fan long enough, um, you almost had that sense of impending doom when things are going well. But, you know, for a while that wasn't a thing and now it's back back in spades right like that second half was brutal which goes along with the second half at maryland and um you know the mistakes at the end of the nc state game the fourth quarter against jmu the whole game against tennessee like it's just been i mean you've seen some improvement i mean if it wasn't for the play of calandria and musket i'd hate to think what this year had been um and that's hard and malik washington yeah, Malik. I mean, yeah, yeah, Malik Washington, of course, and and Malachi. Like, there's been some individual performances, you know, but those guys are doing it, you know, with an offensive line that's struggling to keep the quarterbacks clean. You know, one of them missed extended time because of that, and then the defense, which I I don't think any of us expected the defense to be remotely as bad as they were this year. Um, and that's the biggest head scratcher. Like, I mean, what does this team hang its hat on? Yeah, it's two unproven quarterbacks and a couple of wide receivers, and that's a hard way to win football. 
Remember, the thing that stands out to me, well, not the thing, because there's lots of things, but 386 yards to Boston College is just hard for me to process. Like, I, I don't mean that. I'm not trying to be like a jerk about Boston College, okay? It's just, like, if you had told me before the season started that UVA was going to give up 386 yards to Boston College, I would have been, I mean, I probably would have, would have thought that that just like could not happen. Um, and I, I think to Dave's point about the defense, like the offense, like real talk, like they, they, they'd certainly go in, in spurts um, where you, and I don't mean that in terms of like they score points and all of a sudden they don't. What I mean is like, sometimes they look super. Sometimes um, they do that. <laughs> that's true. Sometimes they look like super like coherent, like and they look super capable. And then other times it's like they literally have never seen a football. And again, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just being honest. And I don't understand how you can go from those diametrically opposed foes, right? Like how how can they be at times, you know, really solid offensively, and then other times just be so um, all over the place. But defensively defensively they're in a they're just in a world of hurt and i understand I, I i think it is worth pointing out they have a rash of injuries that have touched every level of the defense um they've asked young guys to come in and those those dudes have gotten hurt um you know they are trying to continue to sort of piece together a two deep every week and it and and i know that that is absolutely playing uh, a part in this okay so I understand that like on some level the defensive issues are at least moderately reliant or caused by, I should say, the injuries. Overall though, what's your what's your summer summation so to speak uh, of the thing several days now after the uh, Boston College loss? Yeah, I mean, I think you you hit on something with the with the stats, you know, about just the yards. I think it's even more glaring when you look at it half by half, right? I mean, Boston College had like 120 yards, I think, in the first half, and you know, a lot of that was on that last drive. They weren't really doing much at all before that, and UVA kind of had the game in hand, up 14 nothing, and then the 21 seven was to me at the time kind of felt like UVA sort of, um maybe not permanently, but in a way sort of slamming the door on the comeback effort after Boston College had scored, um, or at least being like, okay, it's not going to be as easy as it looked. But, I mean, in fairness, that play was pretty lucky. I mean, what's the percentage chance that that gets completed and um, and so on? But, yeah, I mean, in the second half, UVA had 39 yards, period. Like, that's terrible. That's bad against anybody, and even worse against the Boston College team that coming in was one one of the worst power five teams in the country and definitely one of the worst power five defenses. Um, you know, I think like what they did last week against Louisville before the UVA game was terrible. Um, I mean, they gave up 42 points in the first half and UVA couldn't even get like first downs in the second half. And, um, you know, it was disheartening to watch. And I think my biggest concern is that this team never seems to put together a complete game they're either really bad on one side of the ball and okay on the other, but that's not enough Or special teams obviously is part of it too. Um, or they're good for half of the game and then not good in the other half or like the JMU game where they were bad at the beginning and bad at the end and good in the middle. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that to me speaks to, um, coaching 
I mean, to be frank, like, I think, you know, I, it's, it's interesting. I, th- I think I sent you guys this on text after the game, but Jeff Halfley after the game said, you know, what you say in the locker room only lasts for a few minutes. Like after that, it ha- what you do is about substance. And what I'm seeing is a coaching staff on both sides of the ball um, who have a plan. They, they've proven that they can come out and like have a good plan to start a game and like execute it um, or make adjustments and win late or make something happen, not win, but make something happen late um, to kind of play better or like they can kind of get out of the funk. But what I see is a, is a coaching staff that got completely outcoached on Saturday. Um, UVA came out and did some things well. Um, Boston College adjusted to that plan and UVA did not adjust back. And yeah. as a result, UVA was cool to just basically like do their thing and get sacked and not get first downs and give up big plays and, and so on. I mean, like if you go watch Halfley's press conference, anybody who's really interested in this, because he specifically spells out like we, we came out, UVA did this. We weren't really expecting that we adjusted to it. We didn't have that problem anymore. We didn't think they could stop us in the second half or they didn't think UVA could stop them in the second half stuff like that, where it's like, clearly they made, they, they had a plan. It wasn't working. They switched to something else and it started working and UVA basically threw their hands up and let it happen. Um, and I, you know, I feel bad for the players. They clearly want to win. And you mentioned the defensive injuries, but I also think it's worth noting that a lot of the defensive errors that are taking place and penalties and all of that have been veterans. So it's not like it's like all these young guys are getting forced into action and then they're the ones giving up the points. Um, but yeah, it's a, I, I think this was a litmus test game because you could make a case of the first four were against pretty tough opponents, even though NC State doesn't seem to be very good. Um, and, you know, like you come out against Boston College with a lead. It's like you expect them to sort of be like, all right, they're going to get over the hump and get this win. And BC's not good, but it's a win. It's on the road. It's something in the right direction. And, you know, what they did after halftime, like they might as well not come out of the locker room. Like, I mean, they, they just didn't get anything done productive on either side of the ball, except for two turnovers that basically were BC just kind of handing them the ball. Yeah. Real quick on the numbers front. This is, I find this really interesting. So the average starting field position for both teams is basically the same. UVA's was its own 33 Boston college, its own 32 average number of plays per drive, six and five between BC and UVA. So it's basically the same, right? Average time of possession, Two minutes and seven seconds, two twenty-seven. Um, average uh, third down distance for Boston College is seven point seven. For UVA, it's eight. Right. So he and uh, you know the reality of the of the thing is that UVA had not one but two seventy-yard drives in this thing. Right. When does that happen? Right. They scored ten points off turnovers. When does that happen? Yep. And at the same time, they. <laughs> If you look at if you just look at the drive chart for Boston College in the second half, even if you take away the touchdown that they scored in the last uh, minute before, obviously UVA had to put together its hail mary drive, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, fumble, fumble, field goal. Like there were ample no opportunities, punts. no punts. <laughs> correct. There were ample opportunities, right, for UVA to actually do something with this game. And not only could the Cavaliers not do anything about it, but this is the drive chart for UVA. Punt, interception, punt, punt, field goal, downs. That just, I mean, listen, I don't care who you're playing. That In the second half, if that's your drive situation, like, you are in a world of hurt. And that's and the field goal drive like. was a 12-yard drive. Was a 12-yard drive, that's Six, right. Yeah. 
six, six plays, twelve yards. Yep. Um, took a whopping one minute twenty seven seconds off the clock. The the I think the the thing that is leaving me like befuddled about all this is like each game they find some new and interesting way to to do to do something poorly that I didn't think that would be a problem, right? Um, earlier in the season, I mean, against Tennessee, like clearly the the pressure was a problem. I felt like the offensive line had sort of um, moved out of the limelight in terms of like the biggest issues that they were facing. Not saying that necessarily the line was playing well or anything like that, but they weren't they weren't the reason, so to speak, right? Man, that changed. And I don't know if this is just to Ferber's point, an adjustment thing, and um, Terry and his group just just never got the thing. Um, switch, but I mean, if there are some of these things that are just hard to watch, right? Like some places where you know BC is bringing you know overload one side or bring whatever, and UVA just does not adjust at all, um, and that's that's concerning in general. But especially when you're talking about Game Five, especially when you're talking about a team that I mean, they had to know going into this game that this was a if not their best chance for a win for the rest of the season, clearly their second best chance for a win for the rest of the season. Um, and so it's hard for me to process just how they can continue to find different ways um, unless all of the ways are connected, Dave. And that's, that's I think, where a lot of people have sort of landed, which is like, listen, this and that and these other few things, whatever those things might be, they're all connected to a bigger issue, which is, is that there's a disconnect right now between what the staff, I guess, wants the guys to do and what they're actually doing on the field. And ultimately, I feel like the vast majority of folks, myself included, feel like that comes down to the coaching staff. Where where are you at on the idea of sort of what the the bigger picture, what is ailing the team right now? I mean, it, there's multiple factors, right? I mean, the, the, the talent on the lawn, you know, especially the offensive lawn, just isn't up to snuff for, you know, for a power, power five team and, and the talent they have that's good is not very experienced. You know, the, even the better players aren't very experienced and, you know, that doesn't help, right? Like it's hard to do anything. Defensively injuries have obviously been a, a big issue and they lost some key contributors, but look there, I think, I think you hit the disconnect. I, I don't know what it is. Like, I mean, we're a year and a half uh, into the Elliott era and I still don't know what his, like, what's the identity of this team? Because the offense is very basic. Um, I mean, I think that's a decent way to describe it. It's not, you know, they talk about the run every offseason and the weeks leading up to the game, and then they can't run the ball on the weekends, um, you know, in the games. That's that's a problem. You know, they're not physical enough to, to be a physical team. And in many ways, like, they've been pretty garbage beyond the uh, first quarter or two offensively all season you know the only exception is that jmu game and jmu handed them one of the touchdowns with going forward on like their 28 or whatever it was um and then they had two big pass plays and then the nc state game obviously they scored late but that was you know it was another calandry just making things happen it wasn't you know some brilliant offensive call so that's been concerning you know Obviously, I think you mentioned it, Brad. Like they put together good packages, good script plays, and they come out and work, and then the team adjusts, and that's the ball game. Um, and to me, that is coaching. And whether that's communication between the coaches or having, being on the same page of what, what they're trying to do, or overestimating what 
you know, underestimating their opponents, overestimating their own abilities. I don't know. Um, but you know, I, I, if you want to be aggressive, be aggressive. But I mean, I've seen, I mean, I think at this point, Elliot has to know this team is going to have to take chances to win games. Um, I mean, they punted. Oh my God. I'm so glad you brought that up. Can we please? Yes. Me too. (laughs) Holy crap. You said that and oh, oh. Yeah. I mean, granted it worked out, right? Like, I mean, you know, BC ended up fumbling. BC ended up ended up fumbling a few plays later, and we kicked a field goal in the next Great. drive. Congratulations! But yeah, but, but, but yeah, they I mean, didn't so, even they didn't even get the ball back in plus field position from where correct. they punted. They got it at correct. like the forty exactly. something. Yes, yeah, exactly. They lost a couple yards in that exchange, but um, actually quite a few yards. But yeah, I mean, we've seen that numerous times this year. And then going forward on fourth down in worse field position, which I mean, pick one. <laughs> I know not every play is the same, but. If that team needed a spark Saturday, uh, that was the time to give it to him. Um, and he, you know, they did. We saw the same thing last year right? with Brennan punting twice. You know, that Duke game when Duke had a big lead, we punted on like what the thirty-eight or something. So it's uh, and in the NC State game, the two field goals, and and I mean those are debatable yeah. decisions, but like you know, both of them they kind of man, I got the, a rant, took, I got a rant coming y'all. They took y'all. the points and, and it didn't work out because they didn't end up with getting enough points in the game. Y'all need to, y'all <laughs> yeah. need to clear out the paint. I got, I got a rant coming. <laughs> I oh <so>. my God. <laughs> Seriously, clear. Go clear for it, it man. Okay. I mean, that's my point. I just don't think the team, I don't know what the team is. And, you know, 15 games into a 10 year should have some kind of identity. Identity right now is a, a coaching staff that can't respond. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to try to keep this brief. Okay. But today's point, I think you're, that is so spot on. Like, they have no idea who they're supposed to be. So how how in the world are they going to be whatever they want them to be, right? Because it, it clearly looks like to me there's a lot of of uncertainty um, among the the folks who make decisions. Now, I will say it like this: I am not a fan on fourth and three from the thirty seven of not going for it. All right, I don't care. And they were I, losing, right? They were, Right, right. I was going to say, I don't care what the situation is. Like, there's a period of the field and a down and distance situation where it's like, if you're not going to kick a field goal, punting is is legitimately dumb. Unless you know, and listen, if, if, if the Sparks kid can do this, more power to him. But unless you can tell me unequivocally that the kid 19 times out of 20 is going to be able to, to pop that thing in the in the in the uh, inside the five, right? Unless you're going to give me coffin corner sort of punts, okay. Until then, and what happened is, on that punt, Brad? It it went straight into the end zone. Um, <laughs> until that time, okay. Until that time, you need to go for it. And I and I'm 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 trying my best to keep myself in check here because what frustrates me to no end is when coaches don't have confidence in the players. What are you do? What are we even doing here, right? If you're not going to call plays, you know, to win the game, if you're not going to put the kids in a position to make plays, then just don't do it, right? Like, I understand that there's a time and a place for aggression and whatnot, but the kids who are who, the kids who perform on Saturdays or hell Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturdays, whatever, like in this game, they are the ones whose coaches trust them to put them in positions where they make plays, right? When the coaching staffs show confidence in the players and give them the opportunity, right? You're not going to conservatively play call and conservatively decide your way to 
finally just to getting to a place where you're going to be like, oh yeah, this guy should be able to do the thing. Now let's ask him to go do it. You don't lay up over and over and over and then think, okay, now's the time to push because the dudes are not used to pushing, right? You are routinely allowing the game situation to psych you out to the point where you think what? What about your defense's performance this season has told you, no, no, we're going to play a field position game against Boston freaking college, okay? Real talk. I'm not a football coach, all right? I don't I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night either. But the bottom line is the same, is that these kids are not being put in positions where their coaches believe they can do it, right? And it doesn't surprise me that the kids don't have the same sort of confidence in themselves. Like, you watch this team, and and it looks like a bunch of dudes waiting for other guys to make plays. You know what happens in those situations? Coaches have to put guys in a position to make plays. Hey, I need you to go do this, go do this, Right? We're going to call this. The best thing I saw, quite frankly, was when Muskie was mad as hell that they were coming off the field, right? He wanted to go for that. And Tony's over there getting on him to get off the field. And listen, I'm not saying that players should, like, try to show up. I'm not saying that. But, like, I want to see fire. I mean, like, it matters to a lot of people that they're 0-5. Does it matter to them? Because I don't – I can't tell. Right, this was one of your last two best chances to get a win, and what did you do on fourth and three from the thirty-seven? You punted for seventeen net yards. Congratulations! Here's your participation trophy. All right, I'm done now. Well, I think the thing that kind of is frustrating about that too, and maybe you mentioned this, but and I agree with his point, but like, you know, Tony has talked a lot about like, you know, we can't wait around for guys to make plays, and we have to go take it ourselves. We can't like wait for the other team to screw up, and we have to be the the aggressor and go out and get it. We can't wait for it to be given to us. And it's like, that doesn't align with the super conservative philosophy that we've seen. That's like the opposite of that. That's yeah, like, you're mind. waiting for Boston. Really you're waiting point. for Boston college to screw it up and give it back to you. That's what yeah, you're saying. It's by a really good there. point. <laughs> like, yeah, we're not asking or, for him to go from it, go for it from their own territory. We're asking no. you to take a chance when it's the 37 freaking yard line. And, and it was fourth and short. It wasn't, if it was fourth, it was fourth and 17, three. I'd be like, all right, like I get it, just punt. But that wasn't the situation. And also, like, you know, I, I wrote this in the take too, but the one time, and I even said at the time, I was like, I don't know if they should like go for points here. It really depends on where you are because I was worried they would turn the ball over or something. But the end of the first half, after they got the touchdown, they went and tried to make something happen. Um, that situation, by the way, they were very lucky to get the Hail Mary because it was a complete botched situation um, where they had the intentional grounding in the half and then the Hamlet came off before the Hail Mary. Oh, yeah. So they were very lucky to get that chance. It was basically just like a technicality. I mean, they were about to leave the field. Um, and, and that whole situation was just chaos. But um, they did a pretty good job of getting to where they got before the penalty. I'll give them that. Um but that was where they actually were like, you know what? They could have just said, let's just run the ball, see if we get anything, and then go into half. But they didn't. They went and tried to score points. And guess what? They didn't. It wasn't necessarily like they just schemed up BC and scored points, but they got lucky. But you can't get lucky if you don't Unless try. You, yeah, they get they put they put a they put a talented kid Malachi Fields in a position to make a play, and he made Musket it. Did what, and he exactly <laughs> Musket did what he needed to do, and the kid made it. Now he he yeah. high pointed the thing. He got up higher than anybody else, and he did what he's supposed to do. Just to recap the situation, okay? Technically, it was fourth and four from the 37-yard line, okay? This drive at that point, first and 10, UVA got it at its own 47, okay? This is after um, Harrard had Good picked up position. the fumble, 
right? Yeah. So it's at the UVA 47. They run musket for a gain of three. They run pace for a gain of five. It's third and two. Uh, musket scrambles. He picks up the first down. Great. Now you're at four, first and 10 at the Boston College 43. A Mike uh, Hollins run for a loss of one, right? Then they uh, then Musket keeps it. He runs for a gain of seven. It sets up third and four on the 37. On the third and four, they they run a pass for for Malik uh, that is thrown to the 23. He gets hurried. Yeah, I by think the he threw it out of bounds. He, right. Yeah, over his right? head. So you didn't even go into this on the third down, right? And I think that's part of my problem, right? Which is. What I'm seeing is not it's not just that like they're making decisions like this, but they're not even like setting themselves up for potential possibilities to make a different decision, right? That third down call is not like you didn't see um That's you like know, a all or nothing call. Right. Like, we're either going like, or we're either getting it or we're punting. <laughs> right. You, 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 and what I'm and what I'm tripping up on is like if the if the point of the whole entire endeavor is to try to pick up a first down, is it is to try to score points. It was 24-21 at this point, right? Boston College gets the ball back. Three plays later, uh, they fumble, right? So UVA gets it back, and that's great. And they score a field goal. That's great. You know what would have been even better? If UVA had actually gone for it, scored a touchdown, and and made Boston College do the same later. Instead, what was Boston College able to do, right? Boston College is able to run, um, what was it, a... Uh, I don't have the drive chart in front of me, but basically seven, eight plays, something like that. They get down, they kick a field goal. Like at least, I mean, and look, the defense has not been in a position this year. Like it was last year where they, where you thought like, Hey, they might give up some first downs, but they're not going to give up a touchdown. Right. Uh, it's just, it's, it's quite the opposite actually. <laughs> right. It's, and it's frustrating because like everybody who's listening to the show, I mean, look, if you're 30 minutes in and you're not a UVA fan, hey, more power to you. We appreciate your support. But, like, everybody's listening to this. Everybody's feeling the same thing, which is, like, there is more here than what they're putting out uh, in the product. Granted, there's not as much there as needs to be there, but there's more here than what we're seeing. And everything seems disjointed. Everything seems off. Like, nothing is working well, right? And I mean, heck, I can't even really argue with the whole quarterback decision, um, which we haven't touched on yet. And I feel like we should to some degree. Like I didn't like we talked a lot about it last week. I think we were we kind of came down on the side of like, look, you can't say publicly dude doesn't lose his job to injury and then make a dude lose his job to injury. But I thought Musket was fine. There were definitely some moments where I would have liked to have been able to sprinkle in some of that AC 10 magic that he has. Um, but I thought he moved around well. I, I think ultimately, like UVA's issues in this game went beyond the quarterback. And like I said before, I really loved his fire. He wanted to stay on the field on that third down, or excuse me, that fourth down. Um, I just, I guess, I'm just, I'm just confused as to if 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 that wasn't the moment to to have a sense of urgency, then when is the moment? Is it going to be the third quarter on Saturday to the fight in Mike London's? Is it going to, you know, what I'm saying, like when? If that wasn't the time to say, you know what, we got to figure this out together. We got to do it. We got to make this happen and put the game into, you know, put because I mean, like ultimately, what would have been the worst, right? They're on the other side of the field, right? Like an arm punt. Who cares? You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's so, it's such a microcosm from ev- for everything that I've seen all season long that it's it, it's hard to process like what the what the mindset is there, right? Okay, we need to be conservative. To what end? Right? Like what what 
what eventual goal did you think you were going to achieve other than hoping Boston College would lay it on the ground a couple times? Well, guess what? They did, and it didn't matter, right? Yeah. They did exactly what you, I guess, hoped they would do, and it didn't matter. Like you never, you didn't get, you didn't get the opportunity to do, um, to 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 take the thing by the horns, and you had more time when you could have done it the first time. Yeah, and they and they got bailed out by Boston College fumbling because you know the following drive after Virginia kicked the field goal, the one you were talking about earlier, Boston College took got the ball with seven oh one on the clock, had an eleven play fifty yard five minute drive that included mm-hmm. one pass, one pass, one pass. So. If they hadn't fumbled, they probably would have done that on the previous drive, and the game's over right. anyway. Right. So, it, like, you, you got to, you know, don't talk to me about complimentary football if you don't understand what pieces you've got, right? Um, the defense is tired, too, like, because the offense has been three and out, four and out several times the second half. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the defense has got, like, three dudes healthy. I mean, <laughs> everyone's banged up or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think you got to you got to think that stuff. I mean, you nailed it, like, if just do something, man. Like the third down call makes no sense. Like, you know, at least between Musket, who's got scrambling ability, Malik, who can kind of get open, and, and Malachi, who can just win a jump ball, like roll the pocket, take a, you know, if you're going to throw the ball, roll the pocket and give Musket a run pass right. option on yeah. third down and let him throw it away and go for it on fourth. But yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. We've seen it all season. You know, we've seen it yeah. for two years. This is a, there's just, they, this, there's just like this, innate I mean I don't want to talk about the C word but I mean that's what Dabo does down there right but Dabo's got five stars Dabo's super conservative always has been and you see the same stuff from Elliot saw it last year and you're seeing it this year and guess what we're, we're you know he's three and 12 and we're zero and five this year um try something different it's right. not freaking working and the schedule is not getting any easier man like yeah to Dave's point real quick so UVA had four three and out drives in the game Three of them all came. Three of the, those four all came in the third quarter. Right to put that in context, in the third quarter, Boston College had drives of eleven, four, nine, uh, plays. So UVA ran twelve plays. Boston College basically did that. Excuse me. UVA played play, ran nine plays on offense in the third quarter. Okay. Boston College did more than one drive. All right. So like to the point about like them being tired, like to then to then expect, Oh yeah. In the fourth quarter, the defense is just all of a sudden going to hit a second level. Like, what are you talking about, man? Like, what are we doing? It's just, it's, and it's, it goes back to, you know, we've, we've often um, echoed Dave's line about that. Offenses should look like uh, paragraphs, not sentences, right? Like the whole team right now just doesn't look like a paragraph. It looks like a bunch of like sentence fragments, not even like sentences. And that's concerning in game five. I Like, Ferber did a really good job before the season of breaking down. Like, in year two, this is what generally happens. And he, and, he, and he looked across the various UVA coaches. Year two is not supposed – you're not supposed to take this dramatic of a step back. And even after the offense was as anemic as it was last year, as, as issue-plagued as it was last year, the offense this year, despite how great Malik Washington is playing, despite how – you know, the lightning bolt that was AC 10 there for a few weeks, like they're still in a spot where like everything feels disjointed. Nothing is working. And I'm not saying that like I expected coming in the season that UVA was going to like win the ACC or anything crazy like that. Um, I, I don't have the the record that, that we, we picked up in front of me, but like I know that none of us were like super duper high on it because we were all like, look at the schedule, understand sort of what's what's the, the sort of situation on the ground. But to you know, 
to to go into the season expecting UVA to to be what five and seven, four and eight, and they're not gonna they're not gonna get close to that if things don't change dramatically. And hopefully, if you're listening to this, you're you, you know you're hearing folks say a lot of the things you've been thinking, feeling, wondering about. Um, you know, we we typically do a lot of like what I would best call like framing on on the show a lot of times right fan base is upset about x or there's a potential to be um talking about y and and we we, i think we try our best to sort of make it so that the things we're talking about are are things that seem real right we don't we don't deal in hyperbole uh, you know very often except for the preseason show sometimes Uh, we try our best to not like do it just for the the hype we don't you know whatever but man this is this is really bad like this is not good and I kind of want to, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the big picture. Cause like, I think everybody's thinking it and I don't think that they're wrong to think it and to, to be considering. I mean, I wish I had a dollar for every text I've gotten or, or somebody's asked me like if Tony's on the hot seat and no, we're not going to be out here calling for whatever, whatever. But like, dude, the situation is dire. It is not good. And I mean, I don't know how much longer, um, I don't know how much longer you can, reasonably go in this season considering the way that it's gone and not have these conversations like I think we would be disingenuous if we didn't have a big picture conversation tonight even so I mean like it makes sense like okay they play more game and they have a bye week so there's a there's a natural sort of middle of the season after the sixth game um but I I guess I don't know which one of you guys wants to go first here but I'm just curious to get sort of a big picture check-in um and again we're not gonna we're not gonna be like uh, hot take artists here. We're not going to be whatever. I mean, I'm just, I just want to have a, a conversation about the way the whole thing looks because right now it's really hard for me. Um, it's really hard for me to process just how rough this thing has gone for him so far. Yeah. I mean, look, I, you know, even if you separate last year, um, which is, you know, hard to do because, you know, but it was his first year. I mean, he's now three and 12, like I've said 30 times tonight. Um, George Welsh like started seven and 12 and he took over a much worse program. Um, so it's, you know, it's three and 12 is terrible. And, you know, even if, even if they win this weekend, I mean, finding two, two wins might be the ceiling, maybe three. If, if Virginia tech can, doesn't continue to improve, I just don't know how you can have that in this day and age um, for the amount of money coaches make. And with Virginia as a program, like you can't afford to get irrelevant um, with all that's going on with things. You know, even if you take that out of the equation, Virginia's opening a brand new building next year. There should be momentum. And even before this season started on five, there's no momentum on the recruiting trail. There's no excitement around the program. Most of the excitement about the program was honoring the guys we lost last year, right? There's not like I don't I can't think of a coaching staff in my lifetime at Virginia that I feel less connected to than this one. And this one has more tools available than anyone outside of Broncos and towards the end of London to be connected to the fans. And so that you know, they've never really made an effort to to be on social media and, and look, that means nothing wins or losses, but like, I, mean, I can't tell you what Elliot is. I mean, all I see him is his press conferences and kind of staged appearances on Instagram stories and his coaches show. But 
like I, I don't feel like he's a UVA guy and I could be completely wrong, but that's my feeling. So when you couple that with what we're seeing on the field, it's easier for me to think maybe you do look at changes if this continues on the path it's on. Just because if I'm, as a passionate fan who's attended every game for forever, am over it, what's the casual fan going to be? And Virginia needs a lot of casual fans to keep that building, building, um, you know, keep that stadium filled. So, like, they're in a tough spot. They're in a, you know, it's a show me, Tom. It's been a show me, Tom, and they've shown me 0 and 5. So, you know, I'll give them some slack for what happens at the end of last year, um, you know, off the field. But look, football's football, and I don't see any positive momentum. I think, Ferber, the thing that stre- that stresses me or that, that occurs to me and that certainly concerns me is we look at this thing is that I understand, you know, not having the Jimmys and the Joes. I understand, you know, um, Every once in, you're going to have things that don't work. You're going to have guys who make mistakes. You're going to have guys who, you know, get penalties or whatever. But when you look at the totality of circumstances here, this is not a team that's getting better. They're, they're not, they're not trending in any sort of positive direction. They're not, there's nothing that's happening with this team that think that makes you think like, Oh, they're starting to get it. You know, they're, they're, there, there's no, and I don't mean that. I don't mean that necessarily in like giving fans hope. I mean that in terms of like, determining sort of what the program is and is not about, right? Like understanding like what they're trying to do. You know, we all, you know, despite, you know, not ever having coached, you know, football, whatever, whatever, like we all have a pretty decent idea of what it's supposed to look like. And this ain't it. And that I think is the part that's the most concerning to me is that there's, there's not just not any forward momentum. There's also like, no, you can't like even like try to scrape some things together to make it feel that way. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing close to it um, outside of the fact that they have, you know, two good, they have two quarterback options better than the one they had last year. Otherwise this thing is, is in a real, real state of hurt. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think you guys pretty much nailed it. I think uh, the play on the field, you know, like there, there are a few areas where there's been moderate improvement. I kind of wrote about that for this morning, like they've done a better job scoring touchdowns in the red zone. That's great, but they're still only scoring 21 points a game because, you know, they're not finding, they can't score on explosive plays really. So only getting to the red zone three times, basically you're maxed out at 21 points. If you can't score any other way, Um, the defense has regressed pretty, pretty hard. I, I think that was even the case before, all the injuries to be frank. I mean, they gave up 36 points at JMU with a much healthier team. And I was a little concerned after the Tennessee game, just from the way it looked. Um, not so much like how many points they gave up. Cause we all knew it was going to be like that, but um, special teams uh, kind of speaks to the soundness of your organization. I feel like, and like the commitment to details, because that's what it is. It's, it's a kind of, it's a grimy sort of thing. Like you don't get a lot of glory for it. And UVA is not good at it. So, like, I mean, that's not good. A shout-out to Will Betcher for making this field goal. It's not everybody. But, you know, like, overall, that that organization is not very good. Um, penalties. Like, you know, the on-field product with the penalties and just, like, the self-inflicted errors. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I would expect. Like, hey, if you don't have the Jimmies and the Joes, clean that up, Right. You know, we've seen it from like the service academy type schools before. It's like they might not have the talent to beat Notre Dame, but they're going to play a clean game, right? 
and they're going to give themselves the best chance to win. And, and outside of a Tennessee game where like, you know, they basically kind of coasted through, like they haven't had the ability to play clean and they've had big errors and big moments, big penalties and big spots and giving up game winning scores and, you know, long kick returns that set up game winning scores and, you know, coming out of halftime flat, they look flat a lot. Um, and again, I the players like this is kind of a different conversation because, you know, like they have been through a lot and I know those guys want to win and I really hope they do get one this week um, because it, I'm sure it's not fun right now um, to be doing this and, you know, they want to turn it around, I'm sure. But ultimately, I feel like there's not a lot of there's just not a lot of juice. And, you know, like we, we've seen coaches come in and, and struggle early and then get better. And even in even in like year two for Bronco and year two for, well, Mike had a, his best year in year two, but even for Bronco, like there were some struggles in that year. They started to win more games, but there were some signs that things were headed in the right direction. Obviously, like, you know, they pulled off a win. They weren't supposed to get at Boise state. They won more games against bad teams. They just looked more coherent. They cut down on the penalties and the turnovers and all that kind of stuff. Um, this team's not doing any of that. And, you know, we'll see what happens in the weeks to come. Like the season's not over yet. So like, we'll, I'll judge the finished product. Um, but the product so far, like they've said is zero and five. And I think the biggest problem is, you know, obviously what happened at the end of last year recalibrates what people feel about the program and, um, you know, like the big picture and, you know, like what's important and things like that. Um, and I know that there's a lot of efforts being made, but, from everything that like I've seen and that, you know, anecdotal things that we've heard, the off field product isn't good either. Or like, it's not, it's not as productive as it could be. I guess I would say Dave mentioned the social media stuff. Recruiting hasn't been very good from a rating standpoint. I do think they got some good players in this past class, but the transfer portal is a huge thing at your disposal. And they did a great job getting Malik Washington and Tony Muskin and Kobe Pace. I think those are good players, um, but you did nothing on the offensive line. I mean, you brought in a couple of guys that are playing, but Steven's playing. Okay. But yeah, yeah, but it'd be, you, you get what I mean. <laughs> like that was an area where like George Welsh and Mike London and Tony and even Bronco didn't have a chance to fix that like in the portal in year one or year two. And they did, and they weren't able to sell players on the players that would change what the offensive line is looking like, you know, too. Cause that hasn't been an injury issue. I mean, those guys are all out there playing the guys that they wanted to, to have playing. Um, and, you know, they had a chance to fix that and didn't, uh, and, you know, they just lost a commit the other day. <laughs> um, I don't know that that'll be the last one in this cycle, but you know, that happens everywhere. Um, and yeah, there's just not a whole lot of like energy around this thing right now. And then you look at the 2024 schedule and like, you know, uh, makes you want to drink bleach, <laughs> like you know, so um, it, it's it's a they would do themselves a big favor by like winning some games. That's all I would say, because, you know, at some point you have to start to look at this as it's a business. And um, I know that the tragedy sort of put things in perspective, but, um, you know, at some point you're kind of judged on your football record, whether that's this year, next year, or whenever. Yeah. I mean, look, they lose this weekend. He's in trouble because I mean, it's going to be an yeah, ugly Cause then you're weeks. looking at your schedule and you're like, who are you going to beat? Like, yeah. And then you got two weeks just to, even if they, even if this is a close game this weekend, um, I mean, if there's any lemon booty this weekend <laughs> towards the end of that game, going into the bye week, that's not great either. 
and look, if they come out and smoke William and Mary, I think it, it just kind of, I don't think it calms things down. It just kind of puts a lit, you know, it's just going to kind of simmer where it is instead of getting hotter. So right. they're in a tough spot. And, you know, look, we've seen the on-field product and Judd's kind of alluded to it. Like, you know, the special teams, the, the penalties on field, that, that's a warning sign. I mean, everything better be as good off-field as it's, Supposed to be, you know, as it's been yeah. reported. Look or... at Virginia Tech. I mean, like they've been pretty bad on the field, but their fans are still way more in because they're like, all right, we're recruiting okay, and you know, like there's a yeah. buzz. People are going to the games. Like we don't have that here. Yeah, I mean, and we did. I mean, Jamie, your game was packed. That was a chance. You know, they yeah. pulled that game off. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, if they, look, yeah, the rain didn't help them. Like, I, maybe I think they if, some if they were if they were two and three right now, then I think we'd be having much different conversations. We wouldn't be like, oh, they should be four and one. You know, Correct. we would be like, Correct. okay, they're they're headed this in the right direction. They are. Okay, they're, yeah. I will say the other thing: the the transfer portal piece is really interesting because part of me thinks like, um, it's good that they've got you know if you look at the guys that are playing well, um, Malik is obviously a, a huge addition. Stevens' kid's pretty good. Uh, or at least not maybe the better way to say that is he's, he's been super reliable. Um, but I think the problem that I have with that is not just that there are other dudes from the portal that, that have not worked out for various reasons. It's more about like, that's an extra tool, you know, to the point that like Bronco and, and, and Mike didn't have, right. It's an extra tool and they, and they're still in the spot they're in right now. Right. Like those staffs could not have addressed needs the way that, that Tony and his people can, and yet, those 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 teams in those second years still had some really nice gains, right? Over the first year, so even with an extra tool and a pretty substantial one in its pocket, granted, there's also the the, the curse that comes along with that gift, which is dudes can leave, right? Um, so they did and have maybe it's harder to get and, guys without nil and all that, right? But. That's and that's fair, but still, the 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 net situation of it all is that. It, it it should not be where it is, right? And your point your your point for about special teams and sort of like that what that says about a program. Um, I also think that it's fair to to point out that with the injuries, they're 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 losing a lot of guys that would have various roles in various other places, and so there's a lot because of the injuries that I do think is impacted beyond just the from scrimmage. Okay, having said that, you got to figure it out, like. Yes, I think we were all very sensitive to the to the reality of last year and what that put these kids through and certainly what that put the coaches through and what it put the community through and the families and everybody, you know, everybody associated with it. Like, I think that it's 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 impossible to talk about football um, without understanding that that all is very real. And I'm not trying to just gloss over that. However, the reality of the situation is that, like, they are football coaches and the football program has needs right like there's a building that's about to open there's a, a opportunity that comes with that and what I've seen on the field this year leads me to wonder pretty constantly well what does it look like in two years if this is the same deal right what's it look like in three years and the reality is is that when I just said that everybody who heard me say that had the same thought right the time to change that narrative, it, it, it's the, the time to really do it has already passed, right? Like it, it had to have happened, you know, okay, you lose to Tennessee, that's one thing, all right? You, you came out, 
you had a fluky whatever with Jamie. Okay, fine, you're 0-2. Maryland, you're on the road. It's a Friday night. Your freshman quarterback has kind of walked into a little bit of a, a buzzsaw of his own making. Okay, great. You're 0-3. The NC State game was winnable and you lost it. The Boston College game was winnable and you lost it. Even and you lost you win, to a backup quarterback against NC State. That's true. Um, you Even if you win this weekend, to Dave's point, like all you're doing is sort of – it's a reprieve for, for two weeks, right? I hope beyond hope, no matter what happens Saturday, that – that the bye week is beneficial to them in terms of getting guys healthy and getting them back in the, in the rotation, back in the lineups, but also to give the, the staff a chance to self-evaluate and make some, some changes to what they're doing. Um, because right now I don't see a whole lot that doesn't that, I mean, like, you know, all coaches are, you know, kind of maniacs when it comes to like little changes here and there, like they're never satisfied. Right. But if anybody is satisfied with what they've seen from this team this year, my goodness, I don't even know what to talk. To. I don't even know what to say to you. Um, and again, I understand we're being a little harsh. That's not normally our 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 lane. Um, I went went on a rant earlier, uh, and that I I I somewhat in in retrospect wish that I hadn't been quite as passionate in, in delivering. But at the same time, I think I maybe speak yeah, for was a lot good. of folks out there who are kind of having the same sort of reactions to things. But the bottom line is the same, right? Which is like. If they're going to turn the season around, it's it's got to be immediate. There is no like, well, you've got – no, you have to win Saturday. You really needed to win this past week. And, you know, that was just in terms of like – you know, that was a possibility of maybe, you know, being able to scratch out, you know, three, four wins, something like that. Now you're talking about making sure that that goose egg is off the board. Because if they lose Saturday, it's very real 0-12 is, is on the table. What are the? SP? I mean, you start looking ahead to their next two games. Like it's Miami, it's UNC and Miami on the road. Like after the bye, yeah. I mean, I don't see a path to winning those. I mean, maybe something crazy happens. Obviously, it's football; things happen. But that doesn't look likely. And then Duke down the road doesn't look likely. You know, Louisville doesn't look likely. Oh, and Louisville, yeah. So I mean, like that leaves you with the two techs. You know, obviously the one tech is much bigger than the other, <laughs> but. You know, and those aren't unwinnable games given how those two teams have looked, and that's at home. But yeah, I will I mean, say that's this your ceiling. LA's got basically. heat on him, and he hasn't even lost to, he hasn't even played Virginia Tech yet. <laughs> yeah, that's you true. Know, right. You know, if I he comes out and does some of the stuff like we did, like punt from the 37 and lose a game against Virginia Tech, then I mean, the last yeah. time we talked like this on this podcast was after the Broncos last game. Yeah. And then, you know, like that'll tell you what that game will do to the fan base. <laughs> yeah. Like, you the, know. Uh, the 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 I want to say this about the Hokies, like they were kind of in a similar boat and boat. And what did they do? They they, beat they went out and beat they, somebody. They beat a team they were supposed <laughs> yeah. to beat, right? Um, I I'm not saying that like a win over Boston College would like dramatically change where I am on this whole deal, but I can say with confidence that a win over Boston College would at least change the manner in which I talked about a lot of this stuff, right? Like it would tr- it would have turned down the volume uh, in a way I think that like, frankly, like it's a huge missed opportunity. And, and I don't, and I, and I know that for a lot of people, like if you look at this in in totality, look at the whole season as a whole, right. Maybe that that doesn't feel as, as realistic, but man, like how can you not, how can you watch this team right now and think, Oh yeah, it's going to happen. Just wait until they get to Chapel Hill and Miami gardens. 
That's when it, you know, they're really going to turn this thing around. Like, if you're not watching. And also, not, it's like with a look at 2024, it's not like, well, you know, next year, like these guys that they have now. Like, they've got I think this young nucleus. They yeah. have guys that are certainly going to improve, like if they keep them, you know, and uh, that's great. But that's a few guys in a few spots. And then you're banking on guys that aren't playing right now to kind of show up and be good. And, and just yeah. really, w- real quick, one thing like, you know, we talked last week. I don't know if it was on air or off about like how hard are we going to or how mad are we going to be next week if they lose to Boston College or like how are we going to frame that, you know? And I was like, if they lose close and it's like a competitive game and BC just outplays them, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like go, you know, way out there and blast people and all that. You know, that's not, it's a, it's a, they're underdogs on the road. Right. But I said, if it's like a 21 point game or something, then that's different. And I think the way that this loss happened with the lopsided second half, even though the game was close, kind of makes it different and makes it feel different. Yeah. Yeah. And the optimist can say like, Oh, look at these games. Like they've been in a bunch of them. So really maybe they're better than their record. But I would argue like, look at how they ended up losing those games. Um, you know, to some extent, I think there's some truth to like, Hey, maybe they're not way. I mean, they're not getting smoked by everybody they play, but they led what was it what is it Dave? three games by double digits this year lost them all um, yeah maryland jmu and bc and like and what are the scores of those games after those double digit leads i know bc was 20 to 3 maryland was 42 to nothing 42 nothing yeah. and then uh jmu, JMU i guess was 12 0 or something 12, like zero. that 12 0 yeah fourth quarter so i mean that's bad <laughs> like you know and and you are what how you finish games and they haven't been able to do that so it's like we can say, hey, they're close. They're you know they're they're losing close, but it's like, you know, or just hang on to an eleven point lead, and and you don't have to worry about that. When you when you see a team that has earned a moral victory, and it's okay for them to have earned a moral victory, you just know it, right? You just do. You it. remember on Sunday what Dave was like? Terrible football week for Ferb, and I was like, I don't feel bad about losing to the Philadelphia Eagles. They're good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like the, the team I root for played well yeah, that was and came before up the Bears a, game ended. Yeah, and came up a little close, you know, like a little short on the road against a good team. Like they did they left some stuff on the table for sure, like every team does, but I have no problem with that. They left they they put their best game out there and came up short, you know. Um Yeah. I, I where I have yeah. a problem is when it's like I feel like, you know, there's some stuff getting in the way that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. All right. Speaking of, uh, doesn't need to be there. Um, playing playing William and Mary in October is super strange, um, but nonetheless, that is the situation facing Virginia this weekend. Um, I, I we don't have to spend a whole lot of time here because real talk, like this is you know, and this is no disrespect to um, Bill and Mary, but man, this is so much about UVA and not about the tribe. Um, Dave, in the preseason, you had Virginia win this thing by 10. Um, mm-hmm. Coming off of a loss uh, in Boston College, I believe. If I'm, yeah. No, no, sorry. You had no, him no, winning. No, I had him beat Boston College. But. You had him winning. I, can I just say for the record, then the preseason, I had Boston College winning 27-24. Thank you. Um, even though I changed it on the podcast last week, which we will ignore. All right. So, in the preseason, 26-16 UVA, do you think UVA can score 26 points? Yeah, I think UVA can score against William Mary, but William Mary's going to score on UVA too. Like, you know, they run the ball and they run it well. And if Virginia turns the ball over, William Mary can walk out of there with the win. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're good enough to come in and and beat Virginia. Virginia plays clean and right. does what 
Virginia can do when they're when they're good. But like I mean, without going into yeah, it's an FCS opponent. Um, I think we talked about in our text thread. You know, yeah, <laughs> the S P plus has Virginia winning only a sixty percent chance to win this game, which is mind boggling to me. Um, at home. At home, yeah, which basically they might be an underdog on the road against William Mary. Not that they'd ever play there, but you get it. Um, I'm going to pick Virginia to win this thing, but yeah, I think Virginia went from 21 points against State to 24 against BC. I'm going to let them score 27 to win this one. A flop of last week's 27 24. Dude, I'm sorry, but is that that's definitely Lemon Booty? 27 24 win over William Mary. It is not like does not do much to quell the um um mm-hmm. the heartburn I've been having about this. Ferber in the preseason you had it 35 28 who's uh what say you now? Yeah, I, I thought in the preseason that this was going to be a competitive game like um you know, I thought Wayman Mary was supposed to be one of the very very best FCS teams and I know that they had a good offense last year and they do a lot of their damage on the ground but you know I was worried that this is a game where like they would be able to kind of hang around and UVA would do what they needed to do, but they would be uncomfortable. Um, now I, I don't really feel the same, not because UVA is like, you know, way better than them or anything, but I think William and Mary isn't quite what we thought they would be. Um, you know, in the words of Dennis green, I guess he said the opposite. They are who we thought they were. Um, William and Mary's not scoring any points. Like they, they scored six last week in an upset loss at Elon. Even their wins have been against pretty meh competition at the FCS level. They haven't really played the best teams on their schedule and they're winning games like 15 to 10 and 13 to six and stuff like that. And, um, I, you know, I think this could be a get right game for UVA as it should be right. I mean, against an FCS opponent, like it should be a game where they can get things right. And, um, defensively I'm not exactly sure what to expect from UVA I think if William and Mary is like really one-dimensional as they were last week and as they have been all season then UVA is not gonna they're gonna be able to kind of like just stack the box and I think UVA has enough athleticism up front and in the front seven to to deal with an FCS line um and I feel that way about the other side of the ball I feel like UVA probably just has too many athletes in space um for William and Mary to kind of like keep up if they can't score more than like, I don't see a situation where UVA scores like seven points in this game or something. I mean, I guess it's possible, but um, I think UVA takes care of it. I think honestly, this will be a, a more lopsided game than I thought in the preseason. But again, like I said, that has a lot more to do with where William and Mary is than where UVA is. Um, I'll say what I say, 35, 28. Um, I'll say 31, 31- 31-16 UVA. Something like that. The problem that I'm running into is last week I said, listen, I you know, I'm gonna pick UVA to win this game because I think they have to win this game. I could take that same mindset into this. I had UVA win at 35-17 in the preseason. Um and hopefully I, you know, the the Karnak the Great comes back again. But like I have I'm I'm really struggling. And I've actually been kind of thinking about this all day. I'm really struggling with the idea of um, of picking UVA to win. Just simply not. I mean, I, I mean, it sounds like the end of the world, right? But it's more about like, like, do I really think they're going to? Like, I kind of feel like I'm in that place where like I just need to 
see them do it before I can pick them to do it. And even though the opponent is what it is and certainly like kind of where William Mary actually is versus where um, some folks expected the tribe to be. Um, you know, I was texting with Griff earlier today. He was talking about, you know, look for, you know, uh, Rudd to stack the box eight, nine. And I'm like, it just feels like this is that sure. And then the, you know, they'll go crazy um, in the passing game in a way that like they just haven't all season. Like th- that's the, that's the rub for me. It's like, I just have zero confidence in like any part of the operation right now. Um, I think the thing that I'm ultimately going to side on, and especially after hearing you guys and your picks is like, even though it's really difficult for me to pick you to win it, it does still seem like, because you know, again, if this opponent was a little bit different, right, even if it was an FCS team, but somebody was playing better, maybe I wouldn't feel this way, but I still think it's it, the more likely option, regardless of what I've seen so far this year is that UVA still wins, but that has a lot more to do not necessarily with UVA sort of getting right as much as to do with, you know, William and Mary just who's in front that. of them. Yeah. You know? And so like, I'm going to stick with my 35, 17. I very rarely ever stick with it, but um, I could totally see this being a 24, 17 game until sometime in the fourth quarter. And then UVA just, you know, scores a couple times and pushes it out of reach or something like that. Like, I just, I, I just don't know. Like if you're if you're going into this game thinking that you know what you're going to see, every result we've seen this season, other than the special teams are going to struggle in some some way, shape, or form, has has been all over the place, right? Maybe this is the game where the defense looks like you know last year's, right? Maybe this is the game where um, you know the running game sort of comes together. Uh, I don't know. I I I just feel like UVA is still the better team question is whether or not they're actually going to win the game um and the good news is we don't have to wait too long to find out so there you go all right anything else for the good of the order before we wrap up this week uh please win yeah i mean i really like i said before like i'm not joking like i really hope that for the player's sake they, they get this one yeah it's gonna be rough can at least go into the buy and be like all right you know there's a one in the record now and not a zero like i will they, uh if they lose, they're gonna have to record two podcasts next week. The the one for Patreon and the one <laughs> the for one the one for us and one for them. <laughs> one for us for yeah. I will say there's this one. I, I don't remember the guy's handle on Twitter, but he gives me uh, grief every week that we're not talking basketball. We're still talking football. The reality of the situation is like it is football season. Um, but next week during the bye, we will definitely, regardless of what happens, uh, unless we're just, unless it's like fifty six nothing William and Mary, and we're talking about all kinds of craziness. Um, but we will talk basketball at least for some portion of next week's show um, because the start of that season is not too terribly far away now that we're in October. So maybe we um, could do like the team and just like come out and do like three quarters of football, and then the last quarter we just do basketball. <laughs> and just the last quarter we football. just yeah no. I mean, listen, I I feel bad because like I know that there are there are definitely a lot of players who are giving it everything they got. I I think the frustration. 100%. I feel the frustration I feel is definitely with uh, with some of the decisions that are being made and certainly the the lack of um, aggression, I think, is such like you're just not a team that is going to be able to like be consistent enough to just be cons- like you, you can't make consistency the the cornerstone of your um, your outfit. Right. You have to go out there and make stuff happen. 
And if anything, hell, that's what the, the Calandria revelation should have shown us, right? Is it like, and they were, and that's the other thing. They were doing a nice job of kind of taking some chances here and there until the Maryland game. And I feel like all of that sort of just has evaporated. But anyway, one thing, um, one thing I will say real quick is like, you know, I, uh, Dave was kind of talking about it, but like the NC State game, we talked about the two decisions to kick field goals, right? In the red zone. And ultimately, like, you know, they got points. So they get credit for that, but it didn't end up being enough. You know what we don't talk about? is when they went forward on fourth and one from the 50 and didn't get it because, because we're okay with that. Like yeah. nobody's, they didn't get it either. So it's not just a results oriented thing. Like we're like, okay, you know, they went out, they tried I, I, the play call was probably like a run right up the middle and it just didn't work. Um, but you know, at least they went out and tried. So just keep trying. Just keep trying. Well, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, and you're listening to this, we very much appreciate you doing that. Um, if you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your shows. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating or a review, we appreciate it. If you're somebody who has, not found, the, has found the pod, has not looked at the website yet, check us out at catscorn.com. Trust me, lots of people, very uh, frustrated, just like you. Um, but yeah, that basketball stuff will you know continue to roll. Um, we've gotten some recruiting visits and, and things and, and certainly the season will be here soon and we will have uh, at least uh, some some uh, break so to speak from all of the sort of gloom and doom about the uh, football season that has been thus far I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show and of course I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being graciously of their time as always I very much appreciate all that they do so for David Smith and Justin Ferber I'm Brad Franklin publisher of CouchCorn.com thanks for coming out we'll see you soon Let's